Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. So welcome to the show this afternoon. Today's show, which is uh, being sponsored in part by uh, Azi, Genentech, Lexus, and Morphotech. We'll be talking today about uh, skin issues experienced by cancer patients as well as survivors. As most people living with cancer will tell you, your skin goes through changes during treatment, anything from moderate to more drastic changes, and uh, can often be a, continue to be an issue after treatment. Uh, today we'll be focusing on uh, prevention of these side effects and how those currently experiencing uh, dermatological issues can, can seek relief. Um, we know that skin conditions during and post-cancer treatment can vary from uh, rashes to dryness, uh, itching, and even more severe side effects like sores, uh, nail loss, uh, burns, and scarring. And uh, the problems can, can certainly be painful. They can affect an individual's appearance and, and even their overall health and ability to recover. Today, um, modern medicine is on the cutting edge of developing and delivering treatment for those experiencing skin problems from, from, from cancer therapies, from radiation therapy, uh, I- including many that are applied prior to a patient receiving treatment. We're going to discuss the many ways that a patient can take care of their skin with simple and practical things one can do to help keep problems under control throughout cancer treatment. Uh, joining us on the show today is Dr. Mario Lacouture, a board-certified dermatologist with a special interest in dermatologic conditions that result from cancer treatments. His clinical career has been focused on the recognition and management of side effects affecting the skin, hair, and nails of cancer patients and survivors. He is currently practicing dermatology at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City and is also the author of Skin Care Guide for People Living with Cancer. Dr. Lacouture is the founder of the Series Clinic, uh, comprising patient care, education, and research to ensure that dermatologic side effects do not affect quality of life or the administration of cancer treatment. So our show today is really all about both caring for your skin during cancer treatment as well as combating some of the dermatological side effects that come with treatment, specifically chemotherapy, radiation, or transplants. Um, Dr. Lacouture says that that only about 8% of people affected by cancer with dermatological side effects actually see a dermatologist. So we hope today to share some of the many cutting-edge treatments that are available so that patients can complete their treatment and uh, maintain their quality of life. Uh, We we know that skin problems affect two-thirds of all cancer survivors, so um, I'm really excited to um, welcome Dr. LaCouture to the show to discuss uh, these issues. Welcome, Doctor. Thanks, Kim, and thanks to everyone for listening in today to to your program and uh, everyone at the Cancer Support Community. So we have a lot to discuss today. Um, let, let's start uh, by, um, if, you, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about your work as a dermatologist specializing uh, in the care of people affected by cancer. Folks might even be surprised to learn that that specialty exists. Uh, yes, Kim. Uh, as you mentioned before, it is not surprising that given the way that anti-cancer medicines work, either chemotherapy or other treatments such as radiation and surgery, that 
work by inhibiting or blocking the growth of rapidly growing cells, of which cancer is the prototypical disease, the skin will also be affected in most people, in about two-thirds of people. And the reason this occurs is because the skin is one of the organs in our bodies that is not only the largest organ in our body, but it also gives rise to the hair and the nails. And therefore, any medication or any treatment that affects rapidly growing cells in the body will not be able to differentiate between normal uh, organs in our body and those that need to be treated. For that reason, two-thirds of people will be affected by skin by skin conditions during their therapy. Now, is your specialty, is this a new specialty? Are there many specialists like you in the U.S., or is this a, a, a new specialty that's emerging? So, Kim, this uh, specialty of focusing on people living with cancer for their dermatologic problems is relatively new. There's about a handful of people that, that do this kind of work in the U.S. and all over the world, and the reason for this has been that over the past 10 years, remarkable improvements in cancer treatments have led to new therapies that don't have the uh, side effects that conventional chemotherapy had, such as a lot of nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, but rather these are uh, therapies that carry their own set of side effects that appear to be less severe but more disabling to some degree because they are affect areas of the body that are exposed to other people. They cause severe itching or pain in the skin and uh, uh, disable people from doing their daily activities. So, um, so t- tell us a little bit about the, the changes in the treatment that you're talking about. So we talked about some of these traditional treatments that cause, I think a lot of people, when they think about cancer treatment or chemotherapy, they do think about the things you've said, hair loss, nausea, vomiting, fatigue. Um, but you're saying that these new treatments are causing some skin side effects um, that we haven't been used to, and w- which means there's a, a whole new need for your specialty as a dermatologist. Just to, to help deal with these uh, deal with these challenges. So, so what has changed in the therapy that's leading to this? So, uh, yes, many things have changed, ranging from the type of drugs to the way those drugs are administered. And oncologists have done a remarkable job over the past several decades in making medications more tolerable. However, most of the newer medications, the so-called targeted therapies, are are believed to work by blocking these specific molecules that are present in cancer cells. But unexpectedly, many of those molecules that are present in cancer cells are also very important for the normal growth and the normal health of the skin, hair, and nails. So we have seen with these new targeted therapies that are used more commonly for lung, pancreatic, colon cancers, as well as breast cancer, and some of the uh, leukemias, that these medications, the targeted therapies, affect uh, the skin, the way the skin grows. And not only this, but because these medications are given indefinitely for a long period of time, side effects that affect the skin that would be considered minor are now more problematic because people have to uh, live with these uh, side effects for a longer period of time because drugs are usually taken on a daily basis. And the longer you're on it, are, do the side effects get worse or do they get better? Well, the, with the longer people are on the, these medications, and there are many examples, one is Erlotinib or Tarceva, Cetuximab or Erbitux, also Nexavar or Sorafenib, Sunitinib or Sutent, drugs used for uh, lung cancer, 
colon cancer, kidney cancer, and some of the new medications for breast cancer, people will usually develop the most severe side effects during the first one to two months. And interestingly, the more severe the side effects are with some of these medications, the better these medications will work against the cancer. So there is a silver lining in some of these side effects in that the, the development of some of these skin problems, such as an acne-like rash appearing on the face or the so-called hand-foot syndrome, characterized by painful swelling of the hands and feet with medications, especially against kidney cancer or breast cancer, will correlate with a better response to those drugs. And this will usually occur within the first two months, but after that, it will usually subside. So it's sort of a, it's a kind of a double-edged sword in a way that, that you know, you're having these, uh, these difficult side effects, but the fact that you're having these side effects actually means that the drug is working. So in some, in some ways, it's good news. Exactly, Kim. But it is also important to know that it is, and the irony of some of these side effects is that it is precisely those people that would benefit the most from them, in other words, those that develop the side effects, that when they do develop side effects, the first reaction is to stop the medication. And that is what this new specialty and, that, and what I, through my research and others, are trying to avoid, to stop the anti-cancer medications due to side effects because it is precisely those people that develop those side effects that could benefit the most from them. And in some um, instances, is it, uh, you know, is, does it have to be an all-or-nothing scenario or are there some instances where you could perhaps reduce the dose or change the frequency of the medicine to help manage the side effects? Is that another option in terms of trying to manage them? Absolutely. And oncologists have become very good at decreasing doses or modifying doses in order to minimize side effects. However, uh, it is known that with some medications at least lowering the dose, and again, I want to emphasize that this is not for every anti-cancer medication or for every type of cancer, uh, decreasing the dose may reduce the effectiveness of the drug. So what we try to do, and also for people's peace of mind, because most people want to obtain as much benefit as possible, is to treat the side effects and consider dose reductions or dose modifications as a last resort after we have tried other things to mitigate the side effects. So we're we're, uh, we're we've got just a couple minutes until our uh, our break here, Dr. Locator. But um, but but can you tell me uh, is uh, tell me a little bit more about your about your growing field? Can someone in in any cancer treatment center expect to find uh, a dermatologist who specializes in these cancer side effects, or might they need to kind of go out of their hospital or practice, or go even go out of their community to to consult with an expert on this? I think that one of the most important things, and I think one of the reasons why uh, the cancer support community has been so important is because patients, in many instances, have to be their own advocates. And if they are experiencing any side effect that is bothering them or troubling them or affecting their ability to do their daily activities or interact with others, they should uh, inform their oncologist and request treatment. We know that oncologists are very good at treating not only cancer but also side effects. Therefore, uh, I think the first response should, or the first reaction should be to tell the oncologist because in most instances, oncologists will be able to treat the side effects. If they are not able to minimize it, then uh, people should seek the uh, assistance of a dermatologist. Not only that will be able to help them with this, but it's, that is familiar with the specific type of medication that they are on so that mm -hmm. the treatment that is instituted against the side effect mm -hmm. does not affect the efficacy 
of the anti-cancer uh, medication. Of the anti-cancer medication. So that, I think that's an important um, point for us to uh, for us to emphasize. This is frankly speaking about cancer today. We're talking about skin side effects and cancer treatment. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is sponsored in part by Amgen. Celgene and Bristol-Myers Squibb. I'm Kim Thibaldeau from the Cancer Support Community. Today I'm joined by Dr. La Couture, a dermatologist with special interest in dermatologic conditions as a result of cancer treatments. He is at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. We're talking today about skin issues experienced by patients with cancer as well as survivors. We learned earlier that dermatological issues affect two-thirds of cancer survivors. So this is an important topic for, for practically all people affected by cancer. So let Let's continue on, and we're going to drill down to uh, some specifics. Um, Dr. Lukuter, tell us about some of the most common skin side effects and complications that your patients uh, experience. What kinds of things are we talking about here? So, Kim, the most common side effects, as reported by by surveys that we have conducted in cancer survivors, uh, that people did not expect during their treatment are skin irritation and dry skin, which occur in over two-thirds of people receiving cancer therapies and can affect their quality of life. Uh, Dry skin is very important, not only because people may lose more water from their bodies and become dehydrated, but dry skin may also lead to itching, which in turn leads to scratching. And when people scratch and they itch, not only do they... may they lose sleep, but by scratching, they break down their skin, causing skin infections in what could also be the setting of some degree of uh, decreased immune system due to their chemotherapy. In addition to dry skin and itching of the skin, nail changes occur in about one-third of people receiving chemotherapy. Painful nail conditions, the nails becoming very brittle and soft and breaking down and being painful can occur. And another of the most common side effects that I see very frequently are rashes that uh, look like acne but are not acne. And mm. acne may be uh, something expected in a teenager, but when you're, over, uh, when you're an adult, having acne due to chemotherapy is a very common side effect 
that must be treated because these this these acne like uh, rashes can become infected and then can become very serious affecting the receiving uh, of that uh, specific type of chemotherapy. Okay, so but, so let's talk about that. I know we're going to get into some folks uh, things that folks can do to manage some of these side effects, but but um, and I know we said in the last segment sometimes when you get these side effects, especially the rashes, that it's a good thing because it shows that the drug is working. But I don't want folks to take that to mean that that if the rash if the rashes or other of these side effects start to get very severe, that they just should suffer through and and you know not say anything about it because they think oh my gosh the treatment's working I don't want to I don't want to rock the boat so right. to speak. So how how do folks know when a rash is just kind of a normal thing that they can you know manage? Um, they can have a have a session with you or another dermatologist to talk through management techniques, prevention techniques versus some of these side effects that can, uh, can frankly, get very uh, severe, uh, potentially even, even life-threatening. Yes, Kim. So, fortunately, the majority of rashes that occur in people living with cancer or people receiving chemotherapies are the type of rashes that will not be life-threatening. The major things that should point out that a rash or a reaction to a medication is life-threatening is if it causes difficulty breathing, swelling of the lips or eyelids, or also is associated with severe abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea, or a lot of sneezing. Also, if there are a lot of blisters in the eyes, in the mouth, and in the uh, private area, those are the signs that should indicate that a rash is severe and could be life-threatening. In almost every other situation, most rashes can be treated so that people can continue on their therapy. But as you indicate, it is very important for people to receive treatments against the rash early on because if the rash becomes or covers a, more than one-third of the surface of the skin in the body, oncologists will usually stop the drug because this, uh, when the rash covers more than a third of the surface of the skin, the rashes may become infected and they can lead to more serious infections. And if a if a person is having some some itching or and they're they're you know scratching too much could could, could that also lead to an infection the the, the scratching and the um, you know the topical piece that's correct Kim because most people uh, will not be familiar with something we know in dermatology which is that we carry bacteria in our noses and in many parts of our bodies and the skin is the first barrier being the largest organ is the first barrier that defends us defends our us against uh, loss, of temp uh, uh, loss of water from our bodies, maintains our body temperature, but also our skin defends us from harmful ultraviolet radiation from the sun and also uh, nasty bacteria and viruses that are all over us uh, and uh, in our environment. So when we scratch ourselves and we break our skin, we allow those bacteria to go inside our skin and possibly our body. So therefore, any itch should ideally be treated with a topical or oral medication against the itch, and scratching should, should not be a, 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 what should be done for itching. Okay, so let so so let's talk about let's talk about uh, t treatment and managing um, um, some of these side effects. And just you know, for those who might just be uh, uh, joining us, can you just r remind folks of what, what you know? What are the new types of therapies that are causing these these new types of side effects that 
we're dealing with. And, and I want to kind of break down, you know, what can we help patients to do from sort of, a, you know, prevention and also treating the side effects. And then I want to get into also a little bit um, what are the things that folks might anticipate once treatment is done? Are there sort of long-term issues that they might be dealing with after treatment? So let's start with how do we, you know, just remind folks of the new types of cancer treatments that are causing these and some of the things that folks can do to manage that. Yeah, Kim. So, so the new types of cancer treatments that are associated with many of these problems are the so-called targeted treatments. And these, uh, these uh, treatments received their name because when they were initially developed, they were specifically made to block these specific molecules present in cancer cells. But unexpectedly, we have come to realize that many of those molecules are also present in normal tissues, most notably the skin. These targeted therapies are frequently used for lung, pancreatic, kidney, breast, and many other types of cancers. These drugs include erlotinib or Tarceba, cetuximab or Erbitux, uh, panitumumab or Vectibix, sorafenib or Nexavar, sunitinib or Sutent, and many other medications. Also, the new drug developed for melanoma, bemurafenib or Zelberaf. These medications will affect the growth of skin, causing some of the side effects that will affect about 70 to 80% of patients. So we do know now that about 70 to 80% of patients receiving these targeted therapies will develop side effects. So the idea is to treat these side effects before they occur, what we call prophylactic treatment. And we do that by starting people on treatment against these side effects at the first day that they initiate treatment with these kinds of targeted therapies. And the treatment for these, there are two types of treatment for most of the rashes or side effects that include the skin, hair, and nails that people can develop. They include either topical medications in the form of creams, lotions, or other preparations, as well as oral medications that include tablets or pills. Uh, and we can go over specific treatments for every specific kind of side effect, but I also want our listeners today uh, in the cancer support community to not forget that even with conventional chemotherapy, especially some that are, of the ones that are used more widely, we can see a significant number of side effects. For example, Paxil and docetaxel or Taxotere used for breast cancer, prostate cancer, and head and neck cancers over two-thirds of people will have nail problems, especially uh, brittle nails. The nails may become ingrown or separated, uh, which can become very painful and can also become secondarily infected because we use our fingers for so many things. So it is important for people that develop any nail or fingertip problems on these older types of chemotherapies to inform their oncologist and, if possible, their dermatologist so that a treatment can be started. So we're, uh, we're we're inching towards our our, uh, our break here, Dr. Lacouture. But let me ask you, and, and maybe after the break, we can get into a little bit of, of the longer term uh, effects of of, uh, of some of these treatments and and what are some of the longer term skin issues that th- that this might pose. But but um, uh, you know, we have some folks in our, our community who are children who are um, uh, you know being treated for uh, uh, for, for cancer. Are uh, are these treatments that you're describing also used for children? Uh, with cancer, and are they having the same side effects and therefore um, encouraging the same uh, treatment that you would in an adult? 
Kim, that's a very important uh, question, and uh, it is remarkable uh, the way that children uh, go through the uh, the process of treatment and they recover. And we have found that uh, children, despite how strong they, they are uh, during their treatment, some side effects can be long-lasting and can result in anxiety and even, to some degree, uh, depression when they become adults because they affect their self-esteem and the way they see themselves. For example, we know that scars from surgeries that children have uh, that are, persist during adulthood and persistent hair thinning uh, are very frequent side effects uh, that occur in about a quarter to half of those children. And importantly, in many children, some of these scars that are, that are in their chest or in their upper body can be treated and can be minimized so that they do not affect their quality of life as adults. Also, the persistent hair thinning in some instances can be mitigated or can be improved with some measures we use for other people that also experience hair loss. So as you indicate, there are many important things for children to know when they, when they are children or when they become adults to improve any of the side effects that are long-lasting, such as scars and persistent hair thinning or discoloration of the skin as well. So, so the same thing, again, for you know, parents who are listening and then if their child's been diagnosed or they're, they're dealing with that, uh, I would say the same, we're going to encourage the same thing you know, for the parent to really talk to the doctor about not only the, you know, the, the, uh, the treatment protocol, but potentially some of, these, uh, some of these side effects, which you're, you know, suggesting can sometimes be a little bit more emotionally dramatic for a child. Correct, Kim. And if they are, and if in, in these, these cases, certainly an oncologist perhaps would not be able to perform some of the corrective measures for these types of side effects, I encourage people to visit a dermatologist, and they can find a dermatologist close to their area by visiting the American Academy of Dermatology's website at aad.org. Great. Wonderful. Perfect. Um, This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about skin side effects and and cancer treatment, some new classes of therapies that are causing uh, some unusual uh, dermatologic side effects. But uh, we've got a great national expert on these issues, Dr. Lecouture, on the phone with us uh, uh, today talking about some of these issues, what people can expect, how they can potentially prevent and effectively manage uh, these side effects. Uh, We are going to take a quick break here. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. 
Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is brought to you in part by Insight and Lilly Oncology. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today I'm joined by Dr. Mario Lacutura, dermatologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center who specializes in skin side effects post-cancer treatment. Uh, in, in, the, uh, in the last discussion, we were talking, Dr. Lacutura, a little bit about uh, the side effects that a patient might experience, particularly when they're starting treatment, inactive uh, treatment, and some of the preventative measures they can take, some of the things that they can do to manage uh, manage those side effects. I know we're sort of emphasizing that it's really critical that you're open with your oncologist about side effects that you are experiencing. There are lots of good techniques to, to manage uh, manage these side effects, and it doesn't mean that you're necessarily, um, uh, you know, going to be taken off of your treatment. So really, because some of these can be pretty serious, some of these side effects. So it's important that you do talk to your doctor uh, about them. But we, we also know that um, when the treatment ends, uh, doesn't mean doesn't mean that everything goes back to normal. When you've had cancer, we talk about the you know the new normal that folks experience after having gone through surgery, through cancer treatment, and uh, oftentimes there are uh, lingering or even long-lasting uh, side effects uh, 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 for survivors. So, so Dr. Lacouture, what types of skin issues, in particular dermatologic issues, pose lasting problems for survivors when they're in that post-treatment phase? Yes, Kim. Uh, of the many survivors we have interviewed and that I see in my practice, uh, what I've noticed is that most of them will complain about several problems that may be long-lasting that could be effectively treated. Number one, skin discoloration. Changes in skin color resulting from previous rashes. For example, people with light skin may be left with this redness of the skin that will not appear to go away despite months or years after they have completed their therapy. Or people that have darker or olive skin, they are left with these dark spots at sites of previous injury in the form of rashes or inflammation from their chemotherapy, or in some cases, the chemotherapy itself may change the color of the skin, and this, in many instances, can be remedied. Also, people that receive radiation in the past may be left with very tight, hard skin in areas of radiation, especially people that receive treatment for breast 
or head and neck cancers, or in some cases, genital cancers. In most cases, we can uh, find effective topical medications or in some cases, some supplements that will soften the skin and will improve the appearance of the skin. Another important aspect in survivors is scarring. Scarring can be debilitating, and about 10 to 15% of people that have a surgical procedure will have what we know to be a problem scar. A problem scar is defined by that which affects a person, either their ability to use a certain part of the body, the scar may itch or hurt, or people may simply not like the appearance of the scar because it stretched out or it grew too much. Again, for scars, we have many effective treatments that include topical creams or injected medications, or in some cases, a small surgical procedure can improve remarkably the appearance of a certain scar. So we, so we talked about sort of the, you know, the ideal scenario is that folks know that, that, that a doctor like you exists to help manage these issues and that they uh, have the opportunity to have a, a consultation with you before they begin, uh, before they be, even begin their therapy. I, so, so I understand uh, from you that there are some preventive measures that folks can take before they even start treatment. Can you, can you just break down for us a little bit, Dr. Lacouture, what, what are, A, some of the preventative things that folks can do um, to, to help manage these side effects, and B, maybe if you could give us a little bit more detail on some of the, uh, the, the, the treatments you've, you've referenced that help folks manage some of these more common side effects. Yes, Kim. With most chemotherapy drugs, one thing we have to keep in mind is that the skin will become more sensitive to the sun. So it is important for people, and I try to tell everyone that I see, that we don't want them to stay inside and not be able to enjoy themselves outside, but use sensible measures to protect yourself against sun exposure, such as avoiding uh, sun exposure during the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. without sun protective clothing or sunscreen. When outside, use a sunscreen with an SPF of at least 15 applied every two hours and at least an hour before going outside. And this is especially important with the new targeted therapies that we have already mentioned, and even more importantly, with some of the drugs that are what we call photosensitizing or sensitize people against the sun, such as Vemurafenib or Zelboraf, Vandetneb or Caprelza, and the antifungal that is commonly used in people after stem cell transplants, Boriconazole. And now, with other medications, the other targeted therapies, which cause an acne-like rash in about 70 to 80% of people, treatments that are started prophylactically before people develop the side effect, because we know so many people will develop it, include the use of topical anti-inflammatory medications we know, uh, that we know as topical corticosteroids and an oral antibiotic that is taken twice daily for the first several months of therapy. And these are usually uh, administered with a prescription, so it is important to ask your doctor for a prescription for these medications in order to prevent the acne-like rash to the targeted therapies that, are, that is so common. In addition to this, people that are receiving radiation treatment, especially for cancers of the throat, cancers of the mouth, cancers of the breast, or the genital area, it, we do know now that using a topical corticosteroid cream daily at the day of the, the, the initiation of radiotherapy up until two weeks after 
will reduce the severity of the radiation burn in the skin. So we prescribe this topical corticosteroid medication so that people can use it at the beginning of the radiotherapy, minimizing that radiation burn. Okay. Okay. So, so is it is it becoming more common? Pra- I, I know we. I know some patients, for example, it's recommended that they see a dentist before starting uh, cancer treatment or other treatments or surgeries. Is it becoming more common practice for a patient to see a dermatologist before starting cancer treatment? Kim, that is a great analogy, and that is in fact one of the things that I think uh, will happen in the future, especially with the medications that do cause significant skin problems. As you mentioned before, the so-called targeted therapies that are usually taken as a pill, and these are the ones, the medications that are usually taken as a pill every day, that about 70 to 80 percent of people develop skin problems. Uh, we, we try to see everyone before they start the treatment, the same way as you indicate that pe- some people uh, see a dentist, because inevitably, most people will develop some sort of dermatologic problem and now that, uh, that, uh, that they have established a relationship with their dermatologist, it will be easier to, to manage these side effects once they occur. Okay. Um, I think we're moving towards the break here, but, but can, can we take a, a, another minute or two to talk a little bit about, about the nails, what folks can expect from the nails, what are some of the techniques for, uh, for uh, nail care, and, uh, you know, what, what should folks be thinking about in terms of sort of prevention and managing their nail care through the treatment? Yes, let's let's, uh, uh, remember that the nails are derived or formed from the skin, so anything that affects the skin will uh, invariably affect the nails. And most chemotherapies, and especially targeted therapies, will affect the strength and the growth of the nails. And also some of the conventional or older type of chemotherapies that we know for a long time, such as Taxol and Taxotere or Docetaxel, will also cause softening of the nails and even nail loss. So what can we do to make the nails grow stronger and faster? We know that supplements of vitamin B7 or biotin, 2.5 milligrams a day, make the nails grow faster and stronger. If there are any nails that have become painful with any discharge or of any fluid under the nail, that usually indicates an infection that must be treated with oral antibiotics or antibiotics taken as tablets. And what I do also recommend, Kim, is for people to, if they have any signs of infections in the nails, to soak their fingertips in a solution of equal amounts of white vinegar and water uh, tap water for 15 minutes every evening. This will dry mm. the nails out and destroy any uh, infectious-causing organisms. Oh, wow, that's great. It's great, great advice. I love these home remedies. I think, uh, <laughs> I think folks really, uh, you know, appreciate hearing that there are some real basic things that they can do at home to help manage uh, manage some of these issues. Just to, before we get to our break here, um, what a bit, let me ask you about cosmetics. Um, you know, I know for for a, a lot of you know women in particular, um, you know, lo- they're losing their hair in treatment. They're dealing with other with other things. Are, do you give women particular advice about what kinds of cosmetics they should be looking for? Should they be changing their uh, cosmetics to certain you know types of products to you know during uh, uh, during treatment or you know how does that what does that conversation look like? Yes, Kim, and this happens very frequently, and I have to say uh, that men will also uh, use cosmetics, uh, mostly men that never thought about using cosmetics before. Now they Mm. want to use certain cosmetics to hide uh, 
some mm. of the rashes and the imperfections. The important thing here is to remember that not everything that is organic or natural is good, because mm. organic or natural in in many cases is just a promotional uh, uh, claim uh, that is not really substantiated by the products. The important thing are is to use products that are hypoallergenic, that are less mm. likely to cause allergies. And we have several lines of products like that, such as Clinique or Almay, and these products are beneficial because they are associated with a lower amount of allergies, and also they have been tested in thousands or probably even millions of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do recommend for people to use concealing uh, foundations. For example, there is a con- uh, foundation that they match it to people's skin color that is called Cover FX, and they can buy it at a cosmetic store, and it will literally hide any blemish or imperfection mm. in the skin. Uh, I also recommend for people to use uh, certain types of powders on their head if their hair is thinning and they want to give mm-hmm. their head uh, a fuller appearance. And mm-hmm. for the nails, I also recommend for people to use uh, gel nails in people that have brittle nails. And I can't tell you how many women love to have these gel nails that come in every uh, uh, in many different colors because mm-hmm. their brittle, painful nails now feel strong and thick, wow. and it lasts for about three weeks. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I, those are all, it's all great advice. Those are all, uh, uh, all great tips. This is, frankly, speaking about cancer. We're talking about skin side effects and cancer treatment. Um, we're covering a lot of ground today. Um, we, uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to hear a little bit from Dr. LaCouture about some of the research that's going on in different clinical trials uh, on this issue and also the emotional impact of dealing with some of these side effects. Uh, this is, frankly, speaking about cancer. We'll be right back. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is today's Cancer in the News. Regular exercise can reduce a woman's risk of cancer, but the benefits may be diminished if she gets too little sleep, researchers said on Monday. The study, involving 5,968 women, confirmed previous findings that people who do regular physical activity are less likely to develop cancer. 
but when the researchers looked at the women ages 18 to 65 who were in the upper half in terms of the amount of physical exercise they got per week, they found that sleep appeared to play an important role in cancer risk. Researchers discovered that those who slept less than seven hours nightly had a 47% higher risk of cancer than those who got more sleep among the physically active women. While additional studies need to be done to clarify how getting too little sleep may make one more susceptible to cancer, there is no question that getting adequate sleep has been long associated with health. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention calls sleep loss an unrecognized public health problem, saying Americans are getting less and less slumber. The CDC said the percentage of adults reporting sleeping six hours or fewer a night increased from 1985 to 2006. Sleep experts say chronic sleep loss is associated with obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, stroke, cardiovascular disease, depression, cigarette smoking, and excessive drinking. In addition, research has shown that people who get regular exercise have a reduced risk of breast, colon, and other types of cancer. Experts think the effects of exercise on the body's hormone levels, immune function, and body weight may play an important role. In other news, scientists say drugs used to control diabetes may lower the risk of prostate cancer. Recent studies have reported a decreased prostate cancer risk for diabetic men, although it is currently unclear whether use of anti-diabetic medication affects the association between diabetes and prostate cancer. Researchers studied a group of men that were diagnosed with prostate cancer and a group of control men without prostate cancer. The total number of subjects comprised nearly 50,000 individuals. Oral diabetes drugs were used by 7.5% of the men with prostate cancer and by 8.4% of controls. The prevalence of insulin use was 2.5% in the cases and 3% in the controls. Men who had a history of taking any diabetes medication had a 16% lower risk of prostate cancer. The decreased risk was comparable for all anti-diabetic drugs, including metaform and insulin. The investigators found that the overall risk, as well as the risk of advanced prostate cancer, decreased with the amount and duration of medication use. While the potential mechanism behind decreased prostate cancer risk for diabetic men is currently unclear, it is very likely that the changes in endogenous hormone metabolism occurring in diabetes have an important role. I'm Bill Schaefer, and that's today's Cancer in the News. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, brought to you in part today by Onyx and Millennium. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today I'm joined by Dr. LaCouture, a dermatologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, who specializes in skin side effects caused by cancer treatment. Uh, today we've learned about side effects and prevention uh, measures, treatments, and some home remedies that patients can use. In our final segment, I want to hear a little bit more about Dr. LaCouture's practice, um, where patients can find more information uh, on how these skin issues may affect them beyond the uh, the physical side effects. But but, but first, Dr. LaCouture, I know you are uh, heavily involved in, re- in the research aspects of caring for cancer patients' uh, skin. So uh, just out of curiosity, what types of treatments uh, are you currently researching or are being researched in the field? And um, are, are there, you know, clinical trials? Trials that that folks can sign up for or, or, or participate in that specifically rate, uh, relate to the to, to the skin. 
Uh, yes, Kim. So we have several clinical trials that are ongoing. Uh, one of the most exciting ones includes the use of a topical cream that contains a product that prevents the hair loss from being lost during chemotherapy. And this is currently under phase one study, meaning we're still trying to determine the safety uh, of this product when applied to the skin, but we are investigating, again, topical creams to prevent chemotherapy-induced hair loss. Mm. We are, yes, we are also investigating the use of topical creams to prevent a painful skin condition that is characterized by these painful blisters and thick areas in the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet, a condition called hand-foot syndrome that affects many people treated with some of the newer targeted therapies such as serafinib, Nexavar, and sunitinib or sutent. We are investigating the use of certain types of creams to prevent this painful skin condition as well the use of an antibacterial product to prevent the painful ingrown nails that can occur with some of the newer anti-cancer regimens and some of the medications used against breast cancer, such as lapatinib or Tiger. So I know, speaking of sort of home remedies, I, I, I remember hearing that uh, there were some nurses down in Texas who recommended that their patients for hand-foot syndrome use a product that's called bag balm, which the farmers use for, uh, for cow's udders. Is that something that's uh, more widely known? or? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, it's very interesting. I think that what, what's happened is that, unfortunately, because there's, there's a lack of products specifically designed uh, for for these kinds of side effects, uh, uh, some products that have uh, very uh, catchy names have uh, have been used by many people. I do think that uh, it is good to use a very thick or heavy moisturizer for hand-foot syndrome, uh, but uh, we do know now that products containing urea, uh, which is a product that softens the skin, moisturizers that contain urea are better to minimize the hand-foot syndrome, but certainly... I would use back balm or any other uh, topical thick moisturizer if there is no availability of a prescription-based uh, topical product. Excellent, excellent. Um, Dr. Lacouture, we have your wonderful book uh, here, Skin Care, uh, Skin Care Guide for People Living uh, with Cancer. What, what, uh, I'm sure you've got some very busy days there at Memorial Sloan Kettering, so how did you find the time to do this? What inspired you to, to, to write this book, and, and, and what has been the response to it? So, Kim, what inspired me to write this book was the many people that I see that want to live their lives as normal as possible during their treatment. People find the courage and their strength that during their treatment and after their treatment, despite everything they have gone through, they want to live normal lives and not have to think about this all the time. And one of the ways they are able to do this is by minimizing some of these side effects that may remind them of their cancer or their treatment and uh, they want to be able to go out, spend time with friends and family, and things like that. So people ask me some of the, the great questions you've been asking me today, and I, thought, I, I felt that there was no uh, real source for this, and therefore I found time in the evenings and on the weekends when I wasn't seeing patients uh, to write this book. And uh, we've had a great response because many of the things that are listed here uh, do not need a prescription, as we were talking before. And this is uh, one of the great things about uh, what you are doing here with the cancer support community. It's giving people the power to 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 seek their their own uh, improvements if possible. And many of the things that people can do to mitigate or minimize most of these side effects 
can be done with products that are over-the-counter, and, of course, it would be important to do it under the supervision of their oncologist. So absolutely, I think that's also critical to mention. You've got to be really transparent with your doctor about what you are using, uh, just so we can make sure you're not using anything that's going to conflict with your, uh, you know, treatment or you know, impact the effect of, uh, you know, of your cancer treatment. So I think that's important to uh, uh, to emphasize. Um, as we move towards the end of the show, Dr. Lacouture, I just uh, we've touched on it a little bit, but but you know, I've heard you talk about the social and emotional issues faced by by, by your patients. We know that these skin issues. Uh, can reach certainly beyond uh, the, the, the physical effects and can, uh, you know, affect patients' morale, affect their, their self-image, um, can maybe, maybe cause them not to want to go out, out of the house, not to want to connect uh, with others, which can be so important when dealing with cancer. You know, how do you address, you know, what are some of the coping mechanisms? How do you address some of those uh, factors? Okay, Ma, the first thing I, I, I have to emphasize when, when, when you say that is that there is no age. People shouldn't feel bad about, any, about, fee, about trying to improve their appearance during any stage of their treatment. I've seen men in their 70s that because of a certain type of rash that they develop to chemotherapy, sometimes cry because of this. They're embarrassed of going in front of other people. Others that have to give a presentation at work and they don't want other people to see them. Uh, and this is all reasonable for people to have these concerns. And I would encourage everyone to inform their, their oncologist or their dermatologist if they have one, uh, as to how to improve upon these symptoms. And the way that I tell them this is by giving examples uh, of, of people that I have seen and what benefit they have received uh, from uh, minimizing these side effects and uh, the possibilities that have opened in front of them by not being limited by uh, the side effects that affect their, their skin, their hair, or their nails. And also, I, I do this by, by saying, uh, by, by discussing with people that the more they tolerate or the better they are living their lives, the more likely it is that their oncologist will not decrease or stop the dose of their medication, and they will receive even more benefit from their therapy. So maintaining their bodies in the best way possible both internally and externally, is very important so that they are better able to cope with both the physical and the emotional stresses of their cancer treatment. So as we get to the end of our show here, Dr. Locator, are there, are there any particular um, websites uh, that, that you would recommend. Um, I, I want to mention to our listeners that your, your uh, uh, you know, that your wonderful book, uh, which is called Skincare Guide for People Living with Cancer, is available um, on Amazon.com. And we know that you do have a wonderful website, um, uh, Dr. LaCoutureSkincare.com. I'm going to spell it for folks who are, uh, if you grab your pen there, it's www.drla. C-O-U-T-U-R-E, skincare.com. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. So it's www.drlacoutureskincare.com. But are there other uh, websites that you can recommend, other resources uh, where patients can get um, uh, more information as they're uh, dealing with these issues? Yes, Kim. So there are many great websites out there, uh, especially geared towards uh, skin care. We do know that uh, the cancer.net uh, from the American Society of Clinical Oncology uh, is a patient uh, site. Uh, we do know that uh, 
that we do have many other um, sites for information of specific topics at uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering uh, Cancer Center dot org and also uh, chemocare.com as well as Caring for Cancer, all have important information that people can use to their advantage uh, during their treatment. Great. Those are all uh, uh, good tips, and we appreciate, uh, we appreciate that advice. Um, Dr. Lecouture, we're so grateful uh, that you've joined us for the show today. I think that this is uh, such an important topic. A lot of folks don't know about this. A lot of folks are not thinking about this issue. So for folks to, who are being diagnosed with cancer to get out ahead of these issues, to know that there are experts like you and that folks should be asking these questions and finding ways to prevent and manage some of the new side effects that we're seeing as a result of the new treatments are so critical and really can go a long way uh, in helping patients improve their, improve their quality of life and, and uh, improve their experience living sort of with, through, and, and, and beyond cancer. Uh, I just want to remind our listeners that Dr. LaCouture's book uh, is available at Amazon.com. The book is called Skin Care Guide for People Living with Cancer, and we encourage you uh, to check that out as well as some of the other uh, resources that we've, uh, uh, that we've mentioned. Uh, I just want to say a word or two about the Cancer Support Community. Um, we do have uh, over 50 centers around the country uh, where, where we provide support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. Uh, these programs are all free of charge for people with all cancers at, at any stage of their illness. Um, uh, folks can find a list of those centers at cancersupportcommunity.org. Uh, if you don't have one of our and, – and, and I just want to mention all of the programs at those centers, number one, are run by trained uh, professionals, and uh, number two, they are all free of charge. In fact, last year we provided over $40 million in free services to patients and families across the country uh, and even beyond our, beyond our borders up into Canada and, and uh, Israel and Japan. Um, so we encourage you to check us out at cancersupportcommunity.org. If you don't have one of our wonderful centers in your backyard, you can certainly call us. We have a, a toll-free helpline, again, staffed by licensed counselors. Um, that number is 888-793-9355. Uh, we're also getting, uh, obviously, into the holiday season, and, and we have a lot to be grateful for, certainly here at the Cancer Support Community. Um, if you're uh, looking for some ways to support our work and, and, and support the, the more than $40 million a year uh, of free services that we're providing to patients and families, check us out at, at cancersupportcommunity.org. If you'd like to make a donation uh, to support our work, to support the free services that we are providing to tens of thousands of patients and families across the country, we certainly couldn't, couldn't do it uh, without the support of our, our friends, our listeners, our many generous donors uh, around the country. So we, we appreciate you tuning in today. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Thibaldo. And until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 